The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com hello and welcome to the yahoo fantasy football forecast it's liz loza here so good to be back from vacation feeling very rested very chill we're going to talk a bit about vacations later in the show but right now we are going to welcome for the first time ever on the show yahoo's very own mauricio castillo mo what is up let's talk about the absolutely brilliant article I delivered to you last night and you posted this morning. What's up, Liz? Wow, what an introduction. Um, no, it was really good. All about me. For the for the listeners out there, uh, Liz just kicked off her Rust versus Rust series for 2021, starting with Dak Prescott. And it was really good. I'm not just saying that because we're on this pod. I have to be very critical as the editor. Uh, and a couple of sentences here and there. Yeah, it's a change. But it was very well written, very good information. Feeling good about Dak Prescott going forward. Yeah, as we should be. But no no spoilers, Mo. You mentioned that you edit these articles. Just so our audience has an idea, tell us a little bit more about you, starting with what you do for the company. And I mean, you're one of my favorite people to work with. So when we were allowed to have a guest, uh, to choose our own like guest on this episode, I I suggested you. So, like, so people have context for how regularly we all, the entire fantasy team, gets to work with you. Why don't you tell everyone what you do? Yeah, so I'm a senior editor of fantasy content. So all the stuff that you guys read, whether it's on site or on the app, it goes through my eyes after it leaves the writers' minds and fingertips. Um, so it goes through, you know, multiple editing channels, whether that's, you know, me giving it the old spell check and then going in and line editing each story, making sure it's ready for the readers. There's a, a lot more editing, techie, really academic -y other stuff that no one cares about. But, you know, yeah. it's it's an honor and a pleasure to, to be able to read your guys' stuff and and just you know, you guys are doing all the work. I'm just giving a little nudge in the right direction. Well, so for all of the times some like 
Twitter troll comes at me, some dingus is like, hey, you spelled it's wrong. It's your fault, actually. Yes, 100 percent. And I actually (laughs) I actually want to applaud the trolls and like thank them because to me, they're my copy editors. You know, like after they leave, after the piece leaves my eyes, it goes to them and they're angrily say, hey, this is wrong. And I'm like, nice. Got it. Thanks, man. (laughs) That is one way to look on the bright side, which is something (laughs) You were forced to do often as a New York Jets fan. Oh, my God. Are we really talking about this? (laughs) Well, you got to tell the people who you root for. Zach Wilson is in the news today. We're going to talk about some other coaches and players in the news as well. But go get your boyfriend. Listen, I (laughs) know it's it's listen, we've all made some some tough decisions in life that we have to that we have to live with. But no, honestly, like I was I was around for the grounded pound. Rex Ryan, just hilarious, fun to be a fan, Jets. And, you know, we're in a rebuilding phase right now. We got a couple of interesting guys. Michael Carter is really interesting. Elijah Moore is really interesting. And, you know, Zach Wilson looked good in in, in the pre-draft process. So got to go into this type of thing with an open mind. And, then, you know, to, to quote a legend, clear eyes, full hearts, hopefully won't lose that much. I love it. I love it. Real quick while we're on the Jets, because, you know, all these mini camp reports are are popping up. You mentioned Elijah Moore, a rookie that I like a lot, a a reception perception favorite as well. um, And Michael Carter, the running back. But any thoughts on Denzel Mims, who I was really high on heading into last year's draft process? I really like Mims. And I feel like last season, we really didn't get to see the total package of what he's capable of simply because Darnold didn't throw him that many catchable passes. And, and, you know, I I don't want to like rag on Darnold when he's not even in town anymore, but I think if they're able to put Mims in a position to succeed, i.e., you know, throwing him more accurate passes, using his skill as like a red zone weapon, this is a big, strong guy. Um, I think, Year two will be a lot better if they if if the coaching staff, Joe Douglas decides, hey, listen, this is a guy that we need to use in the red area. He can win one on one. He had his moments in year one. Let's give it to him more in year two. Yeah, it is worth mentioning that uh, Corey Davis, this was on the 15th, like he finished for the day. And it was Moore who was playing outside with Keelan Cole and Braxton Berrios in the slot. Mims wasn't out there. So this is only June, but it's something to monitor as these different position groups take their reps. I too agree with you. I think that Mims has like, he's, he's like a unicorn a little bit, right? He's got the, um, the size and speed and the metrics that are all so salivating. We just need to see him put it all together, but he'd be a great red zone weapon. So I would just encourage people as they're, you know, starting to come back to football and the summer fades away into the fall Keep an eye on Mims because I think he could be someone that that surprises. Let's move ahead with some other news, though, because wow, from your annoying, shall we say, team to mine, Matt Nagy insists that Andy Dalton is the QB1 per Mark Silverman. And this is a quote. A promise was never given to Dalton about starting, but that he is indeed the starter. And Nagy added that Justin Fields cannot, all caps, win the starting job in camp this this is me speechless because i i I, you know i i wonder at times of like at the coach speak right like what 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 is what is the positive here in saying 
that not only is he is is Justin Fields the highly touted rookie that everyone is just like excited and amped for and just they they want they want him to take the reins. What is the positive in not only saying that he's not going to be the starter, but also that he cannot win the like I understand if you're trying to protect your rookie from the pressure, if you don't want to throw too much at him too early. But then like using this language of like he cannot win. It's like, dude, what if he can, you know? Well, I think it's a combin I think it's some very smart, albeit frustrating, um, management expectations on the part of Coach Nagy, whether it's for his team or Bears fans, because obviously, I mean, Justin Fields falling to the Bears in the draft, especially in a city that has had such bad luck under center, is one of the most exciting storylines in the NFL, right? But two things. First, I buy it. I don't think Nagy is going to start him. I think that he is trying to protect not just his ego, but also his body. What if he struggles? The Bears will open the season at SoFi against the Rams. Aaron Donald is going to truck whoever is under center for Chicago. I don't know if that's like the first position you want to put Justin Fields in, frankly, because what if he gets what what if like he gets up in his head and then can't perform and you have to pull him and now you've got Andy Dalton who, you know, feels undervalued or what if knock on all of the wood, Justin Fields gets hurt and you have to put Dalton in and then he's feeling the same way. He doesn't feel valued and it's like a Dallas situation all over again. And then I also think, I believe that Nagy is telling the truth. I don't think this, this may be coach speak, but I don't think this is some sort of bait and switch situation. And I believe that because I went back and looked at the movement in the division odds on BetMGM. And after, shortly after the draft, Green Bay was the favorite to win the division. That's not a surprise, even with the you know Aaron Rodgers rumors and all of that consternation going on. But Minnesota and Chicago were neck and neck with the same odds for the second place in the division. Now, Minnesota is at plus 260 and Chicago is at plus 325. Detroit, by the way, at plus 1200. Ugh. Right. Like that's a whole. Whoosh. But I do think, you know, we always say when we look when we were looking at the lines during the draft and whether it was going to be Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or um, Mac Jones to San Francisco, we were all watching the line movement because Vegas tends to know things. And so it looks like it, it looks like based on these odds, Andy Dalton will be the starter. No, listen, you are a much more reasonable person than I am because I instantly saw this headline and I was like, Oh, come on, you know, but it makes total sense. And hey, is with all the stuff going on in Green Bay, you know, is is uh, you you put that on top of is Minnesota's defense? Did they fix up their issues last year? That plus three hundred on the Bears, you know, like that's that's not that's that, that juice is a little tempting. It's a little tempting. It ain't bad, right? Right. Let's look at the Bears' schedule real quick. So it's another good thing to note. The Bears don't have a buy until week 10, which means I don't think we see Justin Fields until week 11, right? Like, usually if the, if the season is lost and I don't want it to be, that would be when a change was made. So I think it is, I don't want to say, it is a realistic expectation to believe that we wouldn't see Fields until week 11, since there is such a late buy. I will also say the first month of the season, as I mentioned, the Bears open the season on the road at SoFi against the Rams. Then week two, 
They're at Soldier Field versus Cincinnati. That's obviously a juicy narrative for Andy Dalton, right? Yep. Like he would like to probably play his old team in his new stomping grounds. Revenge Week game. Three, yeah, revenge game. You know, we'll talk about it uh, in September when it rolls around. Uh, week three at Cleveland. That's a pretty good defense. They don't mess around. So that's another pretty tough matchup. And then week four, things don't really lighten up until the Bears host the Lions. Week five is, uh, I believe, they're at Vegas. So the first, you know, three games at least make sense for Dalton to play. After that, I don't know. We got to wait. Those first three games, we got Andy Dalton. And then between weeks four until the bye, I don't know. But I I think we got to we got to look at the lines and we have to like while we're looking at, you know, all the Darnell Mooney hype and I'm not worried about Allen Robinson. He's going to see the volume and he can produce with whoever's under center. He's proven that. But yep. as we're making these fantasy guesses, you know, I think we have to we have to adjust and assume that Andy Dalton's going to be the one throwing the ball. And it's like, you know, you, you pointed out week four at Soldier Field versus Detroit. Detroit is a mess. If somehow the Bears go 0-3 to start out the season, will the field's chance be starting already? You know, will they give the Rook a chance in week four against a bad Lions team? Like, it's it's interesting right now. The line movement is going to be crazy. It, I, and that is something that I want. I would encourage everyone to keep an eye on. Last thing about the lines, um, I looked up just for fun – to see the Rookie of the Year uh, Division Award odds. And Trevor Lawrence is still leading the pack at plus 275. Justin Fields is still number two at plus 500. Now that's increased, but he is still holding strong to that number two spot ahead of Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, who are both at plus 700. I, 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 I get it. You know, like Trevor Lawrence, he's Thor, he's Zeus, whatever, whatever god you want to look up, there's probably one of them that looks like Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I, I get him being the favorite. I would just consider Najee Harris at the, for, mm-hmm. for rookie of the year. I kind of see a rookie Todd Gurley situation here Ooh. where it's like the team has moving parts, but the quarterback is like, you know, I don't think anyone is inspired by what they saw from Big Ben last year. Najee Harris has a Huge path to touches. This guy is there going to force feed him. And we know how Mike Tomlin feels about having a workhorse running back. Last I checked, if I'm not mistaken, I think Najee Harris's rookie of the year odds are in the thousands. That is some juice that I would gladly drink. I love that. Let's play a little. This is we're just improving here. But let's play a little Would You Rather because I, too, am high. I mean, you know, you've read all my stuff. (laughs) I'm I'm high on Najee Harris. Um, Would you rather Joe Mixon or Najee Harris? Oh, man. In fantasy, I will will go. I'm actually going to go Mixon. And I know it sounds a little counterintuitive to me just talking of Harris as a potential Rookie of the Year candidate. But the reason why I'm going to go Mixon is a similar reason why I took him last year in a fantasy draft. And once Burrow went down, I, you know, that league was, you know, pretty bad. But Mixon is, is the type of runner that is able to perform 
without a lot of things going his way. You know, the offensive line has been a problem for some time now. They, for some strange reason, refused to throw him the ball, even though in college he was a very capable receiver. He's also efficient as a receiver. He catches more than he drops by a long shot. There you go. And now we have a healthy Joe Burrow coming back, a loaded wide receiver core. The offensive line is expected to be, if not way better than last year, at least, at the very least, somewhat better than last year because it, you know, we all know what happened. If they just give Mixon the keys, you know, and 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 give him the touches, give him the catches, this is a guy that I think has the talent and the ability to just blow past all the obstacles that are set against him. On the flip side with Harris, while he does have that, you know, that path to touches and there's no competition. And even though the Steelers offensive line is aging, he, he, you know, it's, it's probably still better than the Cincinnati offensive line. How much does big Ben have in the tank? You know, are they going to dare him to throw the ball? Are they going to, or are they just going to load the box and say, all right, Ben, Let's see if you're going to throw it 40 times a game again and see if the rookie can beat us. I don't know. I feel like the pro-Joe Mixon argument, for the record, I have him ranked ahead of Najee Harris in my uh, rankings as well, is the same one we used, and I used, I'm not going to pull away from it, uh, for Josh Jacobs last year, right? Like, he should see more involvement in the passing game, and Josh Jacobs did to start the season see more involvement. And there are all of these field stretchers now who should open up holes and lanes for him, and, you know, they won't be able to stock the, stack the box. Opposing defenses won't be able to stack the box so frequently. So I, I, I like that. One more. This one's a little bit more tricky. It also, I want to mention, uh, highlights the Washington football team. And if you are listeners checking out our team previews, the Washington football team team preview goes live today. Mo will be <laughs> editing that. So I'm going to ask you, Mo, these are two players, I'll admit, uh, I have back-to-back in my rankings, Najee Harris or Antonio Gibson. I am, again, my apologies to Mr. Harris. I really like those odds. Uh, I believe they're at plus 1,100 on BetMGM. If you like that, go punch in that ticket. I'm going to have to take Antonio Gibson. I really loved what Antonio Gibson did last year. He proved that he is a do-it-all back. And I really like where this offense is going. And we got Fitz Magic at quarterback. He is the bearded boat that that you know, like this guy will take you where you need to go until he throws five interceptions in like week seven. But that's that's you know that's that's besides that's a point. misconception though. Y'all read it next. You'll read it today maybe uh, on in the preview. But over the past four seasons, Fitz has been more magic than fizzle. Uh, top 10 fantasy producer at the quarterback position in over 50% of his last 30 starts with a minimum of 25 attempts. So I'm just, I'm just saying we know what we're, we think we know what we're getting from Fitzmagic, but I also feel like he's a great value. And I agree with you. I have Antonio Gibson one spot ahead. Let's move on to a little bit more news. I mentioned Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about the Raiders a second. Um, Per The Athletic's Vic Taffer, uh, John Gruden said that Henry Ruggs looked much better and wouldn't be used as much as a decoy this year. Um, I think that's interesting because this whole speedster, like we, we know obviously when Ruggs was drafted, remember the first wide receiver off the board last year, it was such a Raiders-esque pick. 
Yes. And then Nelson Aguilar was the receiver that emerged as the deep threat. In fact, behind only Darren Waller, Aguilar was second in team targets last year. He averaged five looks a game and 15.5 yards per target, which was wide receiver five for that statistical category. Not what we saw coming, but Aguilar's not there anymore, right? And it seemed like, okay, now Henry Ruggs, he can shine. He'll break out in his sophomore effort. That makes sense. But then I, you know, then the team went along and, and signed Smokey Brown, who, you know, is obviously up there and has struggled with staying on the field, but still has that, that speedster take the top off a defense skill set that is similar to Ruggs. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the 15.5 yards per target. I wonder if, if Aguilar is going to get that in New England. Uh, but that is a entirely different conversation. No, you 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 said it uh, beautifully. It it it's just weird. It's it's you know I, I I get that you know you have your rookie receiver. It's a tough position to master in your rookie year. Even though we've had some monsters who have emerged the last couple of seasons, it's, it it just seemed like an odd signing to me. Like, what is John Brown's like a slightly taller Henry Ruggs so like I, I it, older it, and older it's it's it just it, it just seems odd to me what, what 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 exactly their plan is for Ruggs going forward is do, do they imagine that hey maybe he's not just this okay here's the deep ball go get it type of guy maybe he's someone they're gonna move around the field I don't know uh you know what I do know is that Darren Waller's still going to eat. Um, so I guess yeah. none of none of this stuff has to make anyone think, well, well, maybe Darren Waller, you know, maybe push him down the, the tight end tiers a little bit. No, I, I don't think Darren Waller. I think you I mean he's a converted wide receiver. We all know the story. We've heard it a million times. The Gruden connection, how he was spotted in Baltimore, right? Uh, I don't think anyone's messing with their Darren Waller ranks, especially at a position as volatile as tight end. I do think it's interesting that Ruggs last year in 13 games only drew 14 deep targets. So that's also a little bit curious. Um, I am not particularly interested in throwing darts at Ruggs. I mean, maybe in daily fantasy or like on some of those island games as we see his usage become more evident. That might be something I'm interested in, but in for season long, I'm still... Like, in, I don't even know if best ball, like even best ball, I understand the appeal, but I don't know if Ruggs is the guy that I want to do it. I might actually, I feel like Brian Edwards right. still has a shot, right? Like if we're looking at it from a which of these things is not like the other perspective, like he's still physical, he's still a red zone threat. He didn't do everything that I wanted him to do last year, but reports are that the, you know, the organization is warming to him and he could just have more utility and be on the field more frequently because he isn't considered such a specialist. Right. Yeah. And he's like your prototypical yeah. wide receiver, right? He's six, three, you know, he's a huge target. So like, it's just it, it just seems right, and like you have these you have Darren Waller and Brian Edwards, like these are two guys that defenses should be able to they or not should be able to but have to prepare for. You know, like you get in the red zone and Der Derek Carr has both of these giants there that he could throw to. So you you, you would again this is like a weird 
the mind of John Gruden. It's like, what what is the plan here on offense outside of Darren Waller? Brian Edwards, it seems like the type of guy that's like, hey, just just feed him, you know, and, and watch him work. And we didn't see that that as much as any of us wanted to in year one. Maybe we'll get that in year two. I don't know. We'll see. He's someone I'm just going to be, I'm definitely going to be tracking reports uh, about Edwards' involvement over over the summer and through the training camp. So let's talk about vacations. At the top of the show, we talked about how I had just gotten back from vacation. I went to Cabo. It was fantastic. I also, what is your, what's your favorite thing to drink, Mo, alcohol-wise? Uh, I'm very much a beer person, not IPAs, though. IPAs are gross. I'm, I'm sorry to the, <laughs> the, the listeners who love IPAs. You like pain. I'm sorry. I also am a big tequila guy. Tequila equals no hangover, which is great. Yeah, how about you? I like tequila. I drink. That's pr- I love. I mean, I was on vacation, so I was feeling a little spendy, right? Like we have been <laughs> splurged for a minute. So, but the Casa Dragones Hoven in a chilled champagne flute with some raw oysters—that is my vacation vibe. Very nice. Very nice. And if I'm mixing, I'll do a Casamigos Blanco and a Skinny Spicy. That's yeah, everyone knows that's kind of my drink. But I'm just curious. And while I was at the pool, everybody was drinking this thing. I had never heard of it. So I guess I'm not cool. Um, <laughs> called a Miami Vice, which seems like something created for like a carnival cruise. Right. No disrespect, but disrespect. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's like a pina colada mixed with a daiquiri. And they put Meyer rum floaters. And I was like, y'all are too old to be drinking this. Like, <laughs> I'm too old to be drinking this, and y'all are older than me. This is a this is a spring break 2005 style drink. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of that. I mean, I'm very I'm very simple. Like I was I was in Atlantic City recently playing poker and you know doing my best Joey Kanish uh, impression like for like five hours at the same table, and I was just saying tequila with lime, tequila with lime, and I couldn't imagine asking for a Miami Vice, they would have been like, are you sure you've been at the table for, you've been at the table for five hours. Are you sure you want to lose your, all your chips with a Miami Vice? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I did eventually have one. It was good, but um, I went back to my Casa de Dragones. Um, but regardless, it is everyone, everyone on staff right now is on vacation or about to go on vacation. Andy Barums was spotted wearing a TJ Hawkinson tank top in Maui. <laughs> <laughs> it is the hot vac summer, guys. It's real. And it got us thinking which players could use a vacation. And, you know, this could mean maybe take some time off to get their mind and or bodies right. It could mean a full-on change of scenery, like a permanent vacation. So, uh, Mo, I want to know who you think could use a fantasy vacation. Well, besides me, which is going to be in July, uh <laughs> I, Where are you going? You know, I, I, oh, so I have uh, our, our fearless leader, Jason, uh, has been begging me to take a vacation because I don't know when to. Once I get into robot mode, I don't know when to stop. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I deserve the beach. I deserve the pool. Yes. I deserve maybe the Miami Vice. Who knows? And I'm I'm going, uh, so instead of doing what I usually like to do on vacation, which is explore and like experience new things and, and, you know, have different foods and, and, and go to somewhere I've never been. 
I decided to go to where it all started in the Dominican Republic and go to a resort there for a couple of days and just literally like I have this vision of myself waking up and like escaping the searing sun by just diving into the pool and like you know the pool might be might be full of tequila who knows but you know that's that's what I'm what I'm envisioning right now and that actually now that we're talking about pools and beaches and like really nice weather one of the players that I would love to see take some time off in a tropical place is Melvin Gordon and the reason not because Denver is not a beautiful place yeah it's cold but it's, it's Denver's gorgeous but I'd love to see him take his talents to South Beach and mm-hmm. The, you know, yeah, Melvin Gordon is 28, right? He's not the youngest running back. He's also not the oldest running back. He's still on the right side of 30, right? I just, I don't know. It just feels like we've forgotten or maybe no one really talks about just how good Melvin Gordon was or the, the how he was able to produce when he was healthy and he wasn't a part of a committee. It feels like he's had to share touches with other running backs, whether it was Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, and then it was Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And now the Broncos have brought in Javante Williams. And it's like, let's, you know, let's be honest. Williams is going to be the back of the future for this team. I would love to see him go to Miami. You know, all due respect to Miles Gaskin, go Huskies. I love Gaskin, but I'm not entirely sold on the idea that he can lead a backfield give gordon his own backfield watch him work you know from 26 from 2016 to 2018 he had over 1350 yards from scrimmage every single year and he scored 38 total touchdowns this is like he he can he's done it before you know and he's just like it feels like every season the past three or four years it just feels like he's been in like prove it mode. And I've always found that to be a little bit odd for a guy who is still a pretty electrifying talent. I don't know if it's the injuries. I don't know if it's the committees, but I'd love to see him in South beach with the dolphins. Let Tua hand it off to him. Maybe an elite runner is all is the last piece for Tua. I don't know. We'll see, but yeah, Gordon, go grab a Miami vice. <laughs> That's a perfect segue. I think that you're on to something though, because I personally want people to keep forgetting about Melvin Gordon because he presents to me an incredible RB3 target slash value right now in Denver and where his ADP is. Um, he was the RB12 overall over 15 games in fantasy last year. And I think what was particularly, and obviously Philip Lindsay wasn't fully healthy all of that time, but Gordon did average 12.3 carries per contest. And I think we're probably going to see another 12 to 14 is my estimate carries per game, assuming health, uh, in 2021. The thing that I was most impressed by, though, was his, you know, the knock against Melvin Gordon was always the efficiency because people, you know, look at the yards per carry average, but don't note particularly when he was with the Chargers the goal line usage, right? Yeah. So you're you're going to be less efficient because you're just plunging into the end zone, et cetera. So the numbers don't really bear that out as 
that's why Dalton calls it a quote noisy stat. I love when Dalton says that. But last year, Gordon managed a YPC of 4.6 and 2.0 red zone touches per game. So I think that you know the Denver staff is going to be, this is the last year of his deal. You've already paid for him. Yep. Obviously, the future and the investment, nobody trades up to get a running back if they're not interested in him being used. And Javante Williams is like a tackle-breaking machine. He's an incredible talent. There's a bright future ahead of him. But I think that Gordon is going to, I think that Gordon's going to lead this committee and by a, a reasonable amount, and he's a great RB3 target. And Williams will has the luxury of being, as he was, frankly, at North Carolina, not yep. having to shoulder the entire load, but being eased into this pro offense. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Uh, the, the minute they traded up for him, I was like, oh, you know, like that, that was my that was my first reaction to it. I was like, well, Melvin Gordon, once again, is going to be a part of a committee. And at some point during the season, we'll watch his carries dwindle. But mm. this is a silent positive, if you want to call it, for fantasy drafters who are, I don't know, in the fifth, sixth round, seventh round, middle rounds and and see Gordon's name and say, hey, this is a guy that's going to score touchdowns. He's going to get carries, he's going to get double-digit carries, and you don't have to spend a high draft pick on him. That's a steal. Especially at that position. I 100% agree with you. Let's talk about your second player. Um, we talked about your adoration for Najee Harris, but there's another stealer that you think, you know, may do a little bit better not wearing the black and gold. Juju is my, the, the second player I'm going to choose here for a vacation is Juju Smith-Schuster. And the reason why, and again, when he re-signed with the Steelers, he was very uh, vocal about his loyalty to the team and to the fans and to the city. And I appreciate all that. But like the fantasy player in me and just the football fan in me was just like, oh, my God, dude, go to Green Bay. Like, like, just just please. Like, oh, my I, I was just thinking about the offense of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon and Juju Smith-Schuster. Like that, that and that's not even mentioning Aaron Jones. That all that might have with the addition of Juju Smith Schuster just come out and say it would make the Green Bay Packers the best fantasy offense of the year. And wow, wait, and, the best fantasy offense of the year? Like you're putting if Juju were to move to to Lambo, yes, you would put yes. the Packers ahead of the Chiefs? Yes, I would. The Rams? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I would. Oh, I'd do it. Girl. I would. And Aaron Rodgers, listen, Aaron, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to assume. Everyone knows what's going on between there. It's like a days of our lives, like, you know, on their on their 50th season or whatever. Like, th there's so much drama going on. Part of me feels like the Packers organization is just trolling Rodgers at this point. But suffice it to say, like, we know that Juju is capable of producing Mon like I'm talking monster seasons when he lines up next to another elite wide receiver. Like he caught 111 balls in the same year. Antonio Brown, when he was a Steeler, caught 104. That 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 is just it, it, it boggles the mind sometimes. And then Juju fills a very specific role where he's like this big slot 
where it's like, yeah, he's he's shifty, you know, he, he he's going to beat you with raw running, but he'll beat you with strength and he can take a rock to the house. And I just kept imagining Juju, you know, lined up in between Tunyon, in between Adams. And then you have Rodgers, a very motivated Rodgers, throwing the ball to him. It's like he he just would have been great there. And I, and I wanted it to happen so badly. He would have come up with like a cheese-related dance to do in the snow. It would have been like, it just would have been like a match made in heaven. It's like, like I, yeah, maybe not everyone goes to Green Bay for vacation. But this, I just... I just fell in love with the idea of this. And when it didn't happen, I was heartbroken. I feel it, though, because it would, you know, as a long-suffering Bears fan, I've watched the, I've watched and know very well what, what Aaron Rodgers does well and what works for the Packers. And there's nobody to fill that Randall Cobb sort of role. Now, obviously, Juju Smith is, Schuster is bigger than Randall Cobb. He's not as fast as Randall Cobb. But there was still that slot presence that allowed for the Packers to open up the passing game. And we've played, you know, we've thrown darts at whether it's MVS or the Lazard King, but I think having somebody as um, technically sound as Juju Smith-Schuster and as much of a, like, team player and a, a solid number two, who I think at this point in his career is accepting of that, and willing to lean into it, even if it's just, maybe even it's not something he's vocal about, but like there's a self-awareness there to his game now, regardless of the TikTok dances. <laughs> but I think that, you know, like that would allow Rogers to have his, his, you know, he has his lieutenant in Nelson, but now he can maybe have like a, like a second lieutenant. Yeah. And then you look at that from the Steelers perspective, right? Like, it's a team that's kind of stuck in the middle of things. Uh, they have an aging offensive line. They have an aging quarterback who, you know, it, it kind of looked like the skills were declining in terms of the physical skills. But then you have a shiny new running back. You have an elite wide receiver core, even without Juju. And they even have Eric Ebron at tight end who can still get it done. So it's it's just it, it seems like a like like a weird situation there is like is this really the best place for Juju at least from a fantasy perspective is this really where he's going to shine most or would he have been able to reach that ceiling that he reached back when he was uh, lined up alongside Antonio Brown could he have reached it in Green Bay I I, I wish I, I wish it would happen it didn't happen. I'm going to be salty about it all season, but here we are. <laughs> all right, so we talked about a running back. We talked about a wide receiver. I'm going to close things out with a tight end since we always talk about quarterbacks. Uh, I'm going to close things out with a tight end that needs to go on vacation, and it is Jimmy Graham. And he needs to go on vacation to, oh, I don't know, uh, South Florida or Arizona or wherever people go to retire <laughs> because he needs to make way for yes. the Cole Komet season that is about to happen. Stand up, Arlington Heights. What is that? I mean, I know. I know when the Bears drafted Cole Komet, I was like, that makes seven on the roster. What are we doing here? We don't need this many peaches. Yeah. But after last year, Towards the end of the year, 
things started to bear out. Komet, by the way, you know, I'm going to write, you know, better than anyone. I'm going to write these sleepers articles. That's what I do here. And you know better than anyone that I am the tight end streamer of the group. Um, and Komet is already on my radar. After Chicago's week 11 by, he saw such an uptick in work. And I'm just going to throw some stats out for you because I like to contextualize things, these things. Over the final six weeks of the season, he averaged 59 snaps, five and a half targets, and 28 routes run per game. So 59 snaps, five and a half targets, and 28 routes run per game. What does that mean? Give me some context. Well, for context, you're welcome. Mark Andrews, I think we're all aware who he is, right? The yeah, tight end yeah. five overall, right? Yeah. Somebody who keeps getting drafted really hard. He averaged... 50 snaps, 6.4 targets, and 23.6 routes run per game last year. So similar usage, yes, over an entire season versus a smaller sample size in which Komet was involved. But it is interesting to me when we talk about a position that is so frustrating and such a barren landscape, we just want somebody on the field being used as a receiver given opportunities. Volume is always king, particularly at a position where you're like hoping for four catches and 50 yards, you know? I also think though, Komet could, now obviously like Jimmy Graham kept being used in the in the red zone, so yes. you weren't getting the touchdown dependent points from Komet that you were hoping, but if Graham moved and Boy, why he hasn't, I do not know. Um, I think the Komet is like an incredible value. You've also got Allen Robinson. You've got Darnell Mooney. They're going to draw coverage. I really think the Komet could emerge as a go-to option for either of these signal callers, frankly. Whether it's Andy Dalton, probably better for Justin Fields, frankly. Um, but I think that that is, a, that is a great value. And it would only take Jimmy Graham moving away. From the, I mean, why you want to be? It's you too old to live in Illinois. It's cold <laughs> in the winter there. Your joints oh. can't take it. <laughs> yeah, man, go get some Miami Vice somewhere, dude. Like <laughs> it's it's. Listen, I I I didn't even think of Kokomet, and it's it's but through no fault of his own. It's just it's like all those numbers you mentioned. He just wasn't receiving the usage early on, but when he did. You can compare him to Mark Andrews, who, you know, everyone jumps at the chance to get Mark Andrews. And listen, guess what? A, a, a young, inexperienced quarterback will probably be more maybe inclined to throw in the middle of the field. Guess what? That's right. You have a young, physical, athletic, 6-6 monster by the name of Cole Komet. Just give him the keys, man. Give him the keys. Give him the keys. And we'll give Jimmy Graham some keys to like, you know. <laughs> the Greyhound bus. <laughs> I'm sure he has a nice car if he can drive it himself. But I just, on that note, I, I don't know if Jimmy Graham is going anywhere. And I, I am worried about his red zone usage. I'm going to continue to be optimistic about Komet. And I can guarantee that he will be used to stream at some point through the season. I don't know if it's going to happen in the first month is my is my worry. But when you're drafting him so late, I don't think it necessarily matters. I do want right. to shout out this tweet from Yahoo's own Eric Edholm, who faithful listeners of the pod will remember from uh, the rookie snapshot series that Eric and I did together. He was out at Bears minicamp today. We're recording on Thursday. 
and he said one player who flashed in the red zone was a cornerback, Kindle Vildor. Well, Liz, why are you talking about a, a cornerback? What does that mean? Because he was, he, this is a quote from Ed Holm, he looked really confident, especially boxing out Jimmy Graham and oh. knocked down a jump ball. And I was like, no, oh. no, why is Jimmy Graham out in the, <laughs> why, why yeah. is he? Why is he out there like that in the red zone? Yeah. So, again, we got to manage our expectations. We can get excited. And I will say I am going to be, and I've already in a bunch of best balls, invested in Cole Komet because of the value. But I am worried that Cole Komet's season is going to catch on and his ADP is going to climb. In which case, I'm not as excited. Then I'm going to veer off to Adam Troutman. But that's a whole other (laughs) episode. That's a tease for a future Sleepers episode. All right. Well, that is going to do it, I think. Um, Any parting words, Mo? Oh, no, nothing on mine. It's just been a pleasure to be here and and listening to you uh, rant about the Bears. Um, (laughs) I'm glad glad we didn't spend too much time on the Jets. But uh, this has been great. Well, I don't have a Twitter handle for you, so I can't shout it out. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so, you know, it's it, I'm probably shooting myself in the proverbial professional foot here. Um, but I do have a love-hate relationship with social media. And I know the oh, listeners, no, right? Oh, no, tell me. The, really? listener, the listeners right now are like, oh, it's the weird editor. He, he came out. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, listen, Twitter is a massive resource and it can be used for incredible things but on the flip side it can also be used for terrible things we mentioned the trolls earlier today my copy editors salute to you but yeah you know i i do alongside my editing i do some writing for yahoo fantasy and on the betting side of things for the yahoo sportsbook you could just google mo castillo yahoo sports and we can lose together well that is a great way to look at things. Mo, you are a jack of all trades and I certainly appreciate you coming onto the pod and lending a new voice and a new perspective and talking about juice and Miami vices. That is a wonderful thing. <laughs> and I am so excited to hear about your vacation next month in the DR. If you're looking, listeners, for college talk, follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. You should also be listening to Post It Up with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversations from the world of the NBA. I do have a Twitter handle, and you can follow me at LizLoza underscore FF. There will be more pods next week. Check us as a company out on Twitter, because we got to have one of those, at Yahoo Fantasy. Otherwise, we are out and enjoy your vacation. 